Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Hey everyone, welcome back to Unlocking the Truth podcast. Uh, Mark Sheldrake here with Derek K. Mink, week five of the podcast on Build. It's been a pretty good uh, podcast so far. I have to say, I've been out traveling around in the country and uh, people are coming to me and letting me know how blessed they are by the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's such an encouragement to be able to hear that. And so we're really glad to uh, be a part of it and, and uh, bring you uh, the word each and uh, every time we do. So we've been covering through Build, which is very important. How do we build the kingdom of God in Canada in the midst of uh, really what this country is going for in a battle of truth? And uh, now we come to the end. Last time we talked about the opposition. That's right. This time we are going to ask the question, what does real revival look like? Now, um, I don't know, Derek, if you're old enough to remember this. This going back, back to the old days. <laughs> I am quite a bit younger than you. You are. But uh, I always remember um, Billy Graham, mm-hmm. a wonderful man, when Billy Graham would preach in a stadium and he would uh, give that gospel call. Yeah. And you would see the camera would pan out. Mm-hmm. That's a Hollywood term for <laughs> get bigger. Yeah. You know? And uh, what we would see is you'd see hundreds, maybe thousands of people walk down the aisle mm-hmm. and gather at the stage. And then you would see them in tears and repenting and asking for forgiveness and accepting the Lord as their savior. And, you know, that was a very powerful, do you remember that? Yeah. We went to a, a Franklin Graham one in Winnipeg once. And as he's giving the gospel message, I go, this is pretty basic stuff. No one's going to get up for this. And the same thing, hundreds of thousands of people just walking forward. Yeah. It was incredible to see. Sometimes we think about revival uh, back to the old days where you set up a tent mm-hmm. in a parking lot mm-hmm. and you have an old time revival, right. preach the gospel and get people saved. The reality is when we, we're talking about revival, it's taking something that's dying that's right. and bringing it back to life. Yeah. And so what do we do to get that done in Canada? Well, it does start with the gospel. Absolutely. And so uh, this week, we want to look at Nehemiah chapter 8. And as we do, uh, we're going to commit our time to the Lord. And then we're going to walk verse by verse through Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we are so thankful for the time that we have and the, this tool of the podcast that we can come out over the internet with your word. We pray that uh, you would... Uh, be with us in our discussion. Be with those who are listening. Help them to hear the truth from your word. May it impact their lives and, and bring about uh, even a revival of their own hearts, Lord. So we give this time to you now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 1. Let me give you some context before we move into that. Chapter 7. The wall's finished now. Uh, the wall's all built. We've been discussing last time we discussed about the wall and uh, the opposition that came when it was built. It's built now. And uh, we have in seven a list of people who have now been brought back into the city um, of, and within the walls of Jerusalem. And uh, probably uh, it says 42,000, probably 50,000 people are there. Mm-hmm. So here's what I like to compare this to. It's like 
the Sky Dome or the Rogers Center in Toronto filled full of people when the Blue Jays were good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not now. Yeah. When they were good. Yeah. Fifty thousand people in the stadium. So they're all in the st- in the city together. Mm-hmm. They're inside the walls. And uh, they brought to, been brought together because there's the census being taken. Right. And uh, now in Nehemiah 8, this is why I love it. I'm going to give you verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the wall uh, or the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord was given. So, Derek, when you kind of look at this and you think about 50,000 or so people, give mm-hmm. or take 10. Yeah. You know, um, one man, you know, gathered as one man at the square. Yeah. Well, they're, they're all of, they're all of one mind. They're all of one purpose. They're all there for the very same reason. It's like a sporting event that everyone, people don't just wander in. They're there for a purpose and they're there for a reason. And, uh, this is what they've done. We've accomplished it. The temple's built. The wall is built. Um, you know, we're getting back our our land. Jerusalem is once again our holy city. And uh, so they're all of one mind in this moment as Ezra comes with the book of the law for, of Moses. It's, it's mind-blowing because mm-hmm. what we're about to see in the next verses, this is what makes it that moment. And we'll do a sports comparison uh oh yeah this is all about sports i think i know what's coming you know what's coming and uh verse two says and then ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of the men and women all who could listen with understanding on the first day kind of gives the senate whatever they were speaking that you know maybe there were some that couldn't fully understand it we'll see that later yeah but there was all these people together one in the square ezra's going to read the book. What he says in verse three, he read it before the square, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of men and women and those who can understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Can you picture it? He's reading this thing for like three hours and everyone is hanging on his every word. Yeah. Now we're both preachers and we can maybe get 20 minutes of people being attentive. Yeah. Uh, but he went from early morning to midday and everyone is just focused on the words that, that he is saying. Yeah. I used to have a guy in my church, um, well, I won't name names, <laughs> but he used to set his watch for, for high noon. Right. And if, if my sermon was going over high noon, it would beep. The alarm goes off. Yeah. yeah. But you know how it beeps for 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you wouldn't even push the button. It doesn't, he needed you to know. You are at your third point yeah. and you're not moving on. Yeah. All attentive. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking 50,000 people yeah. paying attention to Ezra as he reads the book. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is phenomenal. Now watch this part in verse 4. Ezra the scribe stood at the wooden podium uh, and which they had made for this purpose. They li- literally made him a That's pulpit right. yeah. for the purpose of reading. So one thing to understand in all this, this is not an off the cuff. Hey, we should maybe read the word of God. Yeah. No, this was planned. Yeah. We're going to get the wall built 
and then we're going to get inside the wall. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring everybody back, and then we're going to put us grounded back in the roots yeah. of the law, which we were before Neb and his army yeah. came by and destroyed Jerusalem. Yeah. Now watch this. You know, we're going to run across these names. The best way to handle this, if you're listening to this podcast, is if you read them really fast. <laughs> no one's going to say you got them wrong. No one will say you got it wrong. So let's let's do that. And so um, he made for that purpose. Beside him stood Mattatiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah on his right-hand side. And on his left-hand side, Padiah, Mishael, Malachi, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Now watch this in verse 5. This is what blows my mind, Derek. Mm -hmm. Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people did what? Stood up. Do you get that? Do you understand? If you're listening here, the people had such a reverence for the word of God mm -hmm. that when it was opened, they all stood. 50,000 people standing together. The only thing I can compare that to is if you are a Toronto Blue Jay fan, is the seventh inning against the Texas Rangers when Jose Bautista hit the ball over the fence and threw that bat as high as he could in the air and 50,000 people in the dome stood and millions across the country stood at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. But that's for a sporting event yeah. that has so far, really, if you think about it, is the only good memory in the last 20 years. For a lot of, for a lot of Blue Jays fans. Right. Yeah. But this here is God's word being opened up. And mm -hmm. we don't know for sure, but could this be the first time it's being opened uh, with this group of people? Since they were taken into captivity. Right. Yeah, it very well could be. And there's no prompting. There's no let us stand. Yeah. Every, and it, it's, it's simply out of understanding what is happening in front of them, that the book of the law, their, their, their connection, their covenant with their God is being opened before them and out of reverence they stand. Yeah. So what does real revival look like? The reality is number one, point number one, if we were doing the Baptist three-point sermon, yeah. is that we have to have a reverence for the word of God. Mm -hmm. Do we believe that the 66 books of the Bible are the very voice of God? Do we believe that all, is, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable, you know, for teaching, mm -hmm. for rebuke, you know, for all of the list of things that Paul uh, tells Timothy? So if we don't have a reverence for the word of God, we're not going to see revival mm -hmm. in our country. Yeah. And so the first thing is it does start with the word of God. And when people begin to recognize this truth and become obedient to this truth, we'll see revival. But it's about recognizing the authority, right? That's what they were recognizing was that the book of the law was the, was the authority over them, that as uh, the chosen people of God, this is what he has given them 
as how you are to live your life in covenant with me. And we too need to look at God's word, the Holy Scriptures, as the authority for our life. It is unbelievable that uh, 50,000 people in unison Mm -hmm. as one at the square would all stand together. But I love what they do next. Mm -hmm. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While they were lifting up their hands, then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Mm. So picture this now, 50,000 people together, all who could understand. The book of the law is read. The spirit is moving through the lives of these individuals. They stand together. They know that this is God's very voice, that they are going to hear from God who has brought them out of captivity, that Mm. has brought their people out of uh, Egypt, that has promised Abraham uh, that there would be descendants in a promised land. It's, it's their God who has provided all this for them. They stood, but now they've blessed and prayed to the Lord, and then they fall on their faces mm-hmm. in worship. The second thing we need to do to see real revival is we got to get low. Yeah. We've got to position ourselves in the right place, uh, in line with with who we are, uh, in in line with who we are and our holy God. Um, that we need to remember that we are uh, we are sinners in need of a savior. That we need to come before Him uh, on our faces because He is and we are not. That um, we're not we're not holy. We're not righteous. Uh, and, and we need his grace, and uh, we need to position ourselves properly in his presence. And this is the thing, and I, I can't remember if I've said this in previous podcasts, but God doesn't need us mm-hmm. to do the work that he needs to do. He spoke creation into existence yeah. with his voice. Yeah. He doesn't need us to share the gospel with other people, but he chooses to use us mm-hmm. as his instruments for his work for the kingdom. And we should be honored yeah. in that, yeah. but also understanding that it's him at work through us mm-hmm. and not to get prideful and elevate us into a position where we think we're doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is huge that we know our role mm-hmm. under the mighty hand of God yeah. and let God do the work through us. But you know, you're not going to get to that position without the word of God. Absolutely. You got to read it. You got to study it. All right. Hey, Derek, give those guys names in verse seven and opportunity, <laughs> a, good, a good try. All right. Verse seven. Uh, we have uh, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Odiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah. And what were they doing? They are uh, the Levites, and they were explaining the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And so, so these men go out and they explain the law of God to these people. These are people who, have, uh, who may not have heard um, the law of God. They may, they may have heard of God, um, but they may have never actually heard 
the words of God's law to them. It's very interesting because God worked through Cyrus mm-hmm. to decree the rebuilding of the temple in Ezra. Uh, Haggai spoke to the people to consider their ways and get back to work. And, and there were people most likely born mm-hmm. in Babylon, 70 mm-hmm. years in captivity. But you know what this reminds me of? Verse 7 is this is small group. Bible study. Right. Yeah. Because now you have the Levites. What were the Levites job? Well, we've studied Exodus. They were to, you know, take care of everything within the temple Mm -hmm. and the tabernacle and everything of God. They were the priests. They were the spokespeople for God, uh, to God for the Mm -hmm. people and vice versa from God to the, to the people, to the people. And now they're going to explain the book that they are well versed in. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to do it? You're going to take the book, you're going to sit down with them, and you're going to explain verse by verse, line by line, word by word, what does it mean? You know, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Where the temple's built, the walls are built, we're back home, what does it mean? What's another God? What's an idol? You know, all of these things that are going to get explained to these people. And isn't this our responsibility as believers Mm -hmm. that we're to disciple other people through the word of God? Absolutely. Well, where does it tell us that in the Bible? Yeah, well... in a lot of places, <laughs> that that this is our responsibility. We are we are called a priesthood of believers. I mean, you look at at the letters that um, that Paul writes to Timothy and trust this word to faithful men. Um, we are called to preach the gospel. We have the great commission where Jesus tells his apostles to go and to make disciples and to teach his commands, to teach the words uh, to those people. It is so important for us uh, to take the truth of scripture and to communicate that truth to people who, who do not know it or people who think they know that truth um, but don't completely understand it. And, and this is not a head knowledge that we're mm-hmm. trying to, to, to gather here with these people. This is a knowledge that produces different living. It's taking the actions that you used to have and getting rid of them mm-hmm. and having new actions or new uh, behaviors that align to the word of God. It's, yeah. it's study for the purpose of transformation. Yeah. This is precept ministries. Mm-hmm. Precept Ministries teaches people how to study the Bible using the inductive Bible study method for the purpose of transformation. One of the things we talk about all the time is Bible study is to know God and have a transformed life. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening here is you've got small group Bible study. You've got people explaining the scriptures to each other. Mm -hmm. And in our society, we wonder why we don't see the growth that we see today. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons... I think is because we tell people to read their Bible, but we don't show them how. That's right. Hey, you got saved. Congratulations. Go read the book of Romans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pardon? It's a little intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I've, I met a person who got saved and they were told to 
start at the book of Genesis mm-hmm. and read through. Now, if you're a brand new Christian and you're reading some of the things that are going on in the book of Genesis, I'm not quite sure how that's going to encourage you to grow in your Christian right. faith, yeah. or it's going to ask you how in the world this whole population and society got together, knowing that, you know, what was going on with Noah and his children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we need to be able to sit with people and explain to people the word of God. And this is why it's so important for us as a ministry to be uh, raising up and training leaders mm-hmm. that can help students understand the word of yeah. God. Look at verse eight. They read from the book of the law, translating to give a sense. So they understood the reading. So I've looked this up mm. in the Hebrew And this translating is more than taking from one language to another, but it is translating it for the understanding for the purpose of transformation. Mm -hmm. It's much deeper than saying you need that to go from English to French. Right. It's, it's a different level of translation. And this is something that, that teachers do well, right? There is a, this is what it says, but this is why it says that, and this is what it means, and this is what it should look like in your life. Uh, you know, so they can say, if they're reading the law and if they're going through the commandments, and they can say, well, you know, you, you, you shouldn't covet. And people go, okay, but they're explaining what that means and why, that it's not just a physical thing that you do that God is concerned with, with your heart. And if you are coveting, it's because your heart is not focused on the Lord. And so the explanation is, uh, is not just do this. It's here's why it's important that you live this way. Right. And you see, this is why we're about to see that small group mm-hmm. Bible study. And I'm not calling up, I'm not talking about a program. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about individuals sitting with others and teaching them to fully understand the word of God is so important mm-hmm. because that is the vital key outside of God yeah. doing his work. Uh, and he's still doing his work in this next part that we're going to point mm-hmm. out. But outside, our responsibility is to teach, as you said, to show them and give them understanding of the scriptures so that they will fully know that the Holy Spirit is working in their life and bringing about transformation. Now watch what happens in verse 9. Nehemiah was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping Mm -hmm. when they heard the words of the law. Do you want to know what real transformation is? It's that moment. That real revival is that moment people read the word of God, that they're given that understanding, and they're broken Mm -hmm. by it, and then they want to live differently. Yeah. These people are are mourning their sin. They, They are they're seeing, they're understanding the law of God, and then they're looking at their own life and going, I don't measure up at all. And it, and it breaks them to the point where they are weeping. And, uh, and the message is, this isn't sad. This moment of brokenness, as hard as it is, is a step in the right direction. And we should be, we should be rejoicing. This is a holy day of the Lord our God, because this is the turning point in our life. Uh, specifically uh, for the Jewish people, once again, 
uh, a realigning with, uh, with God's standard for their life. And this is the thing that, that they're missing here within the walls. These 50,000 people who are hearing this are missing this within the walls. Mm -hmm. They don't have the hope of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They're sitting there and they're listening. This is what is required to be before a righteous God. And they realize that they can't line up. They realize that they're missing so many things. We're not going to be able to cover it today, but they realize that they're missing major feasts mm -hmm. that they've been told to celebrate. Yeah. And so the problem is that they don't have the hope of Jesus Christ. This is why in those Billy Graham crusades, you would see thousands of people walking down from the top of the stadium down to the bottom of the stadium because they realized that they could never present themselves before a holy God. And the only way they could present themselves before a holy God was accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and praying, praying a prayer that says, God, I can no longer live in sin, but I need to live for you. And they got on their faces and they wept and wailed and cried out to the God because they knew God was the only one that could save them. Mm -hmm. So how do we get real revival in our country? You got to go to the word. You have to preach the truth of the gospel. And this is uh, when people understand that they are sinners and that they do not measure up to, to God's standard of holiness and righteousness in that brokenness, then understanding that God in his infinite wisdom and in his, uh, his unfathomable love uh, gave his son and created a way that we no longer, um, it wasn't about doing the right things. It was now about uh, putting ourselves in the proper position of a sinner who is in need of a savior, who receives salvation. And, uh, and now that now that we have been saved, now that we are um, are made clean in the eyes uh, in the eyes of God, we are now tasked uh, to to live a life that is reflective of the the work that has been done in us through the Holy Spirit. Right. You know, you know what the listeners are saying. They're saying, Mark, Derek, sounds too easy. What do you mean? We just have to share the gospel, mm -hmm. Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he gave us what the gospel was. And he said, I delivered to you as first important what also I received that from that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. And... Uh, but some now have fallen asleep. He appeared to James. He appeared to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to Paul himself. Mm -hmm. This is the thing, you know, we always try to overcomplicate things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we develop programs. I'm not saying that programs are wrong, but we come up with new ways and new initiatives to present the gospel. Mm -hmm. And Peter he told us, he said, we are called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness mm -hmm. into light. What do we basically need to share? We need to share how God took us, transformed us, mm -hmm. made us children of God with them and give the individual a true understanding, not just the facts. Mm -hmm. The facts are, the facts are good, yeah. but the facts along with uh, a visual like, hey, 
this is what my life used to be like. Now look at where I am. You can have this too Mm -hmm. if you understand that you are, one, a sinner and you are headed for wrath. Two, you need Jesus. Why? Because only his blood washes away the sins. Three, how do I get that? This is the way you Mm -hmm. do it. It's called complete surrender. It's simple, but why overcomplicate it? Yeah, simple, but but not not always easy, right? And that's and that's the hard thing is that uh, many people uh, who walk that aisle, who who pray that prayer, uh, think that they're done, that they've done it. Now their passport is stamped, and someday they'll be in heaven. And unfortunately for them, that is not the truth that is found in the gospel. Um, we are to share not just what Jesus has done but what Jesus continues to do in our life, in our, as we live our life um, according to the way that God calls us to live. It's not according to the law anymore. We're not, we're not saved by the law, but we are saved in order to, Paul says in Ephesians, to do the good works that God has prepared for us to do. It's not to just say the prayer and check that box um, because true salvation results in uh, a changed life. So we, we won't have time to get there because, you know, this podcast could have been a hundred weeks long. For sure. But what we've got here, and I want you to see, this is really cool. What happened is when they were hearing the word, they realized that they weren't celebrating the feasts of the booths. Mm-hmm. And so they started weeping and crying because they weren't lining up to the word of God. Yeah. And so the priests calmed them down in verses 11 and 12. And then verse 13, it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Wait for it now. Then on the second day, the heads of the father's households, all of the people, the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe, that they might gain insight into the words of the law. Do you know what this was? This was all the men that went back to get a better understanding of how to live out the word of God, Mm -hmm. take it back to their families and teach them what they, what they learned. Yeah. Well, how much different would Canada be if all of the men mm-hmm. got on board and started running their families based on the word yeah. of God. Yeah. Yeah. In America, in North America, Precept Ministries has a tendency to be known as a women's ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, worldwide, 80% of the individuals studying through Precept are men. Mm-hmm. It's only in America where it's majority of women. And so the call, if you're listening to this and you're a man, we need you. Yeah, for sure. We need you to, to pick up the baton and carry this Bible and this scripture and share it with other men. Mm-hmm. Teach them what the biblical role of a husband and a father is to be in the scriptures. Well, I want to look quickly at chapter 10. I know we said we weren't going to leave chapter 8, but just quickly in chapter 10, I'm not chapter 9, I'll give you just a summary. Chapter 9 is a complete repentance and fasting before the Lord mm-hmm. because they know that they are in no position to uh, stand before the Lord. They're asking for compassion. There's compassion is repeated over and over in the in verse in chapter 9. Mm-hmm. In chapter 10, uh, there's this document 
that they uh, go. Verse 38 of chapter 9 says, Now because of all this, we're making an agreement in writing, writing, and on the sealed document are the names of our leaders and our Levites. This is where they are making a covenant with God mm-hmm. to live out the words of the law. Yeah. In which, P.S., they broke and ended <laughs> up in, in Babylon in the first place. Yeah. But ver- in chapter 10, and we, don't, we won't read through, that's all the commitments mm-hmm. that they're going to make. And one of the major commitments that they're going to make is that they're not going to neglect the house of the Mm -hmm. Lord. They're going to provide the tithes. They're going to provide everything that's needed for the house. And so they are going to make sure that they're living a life of righteousness according to God has commanded them Mm -hmm. from that point on. How does real revival happen? One, it happens when we have a reverence for God. Mm -hmm. And has a reverence for who he is. It's when we bow low and when we take the word of God to others Mm -hmm. and see transformation. These commitments here that they have made in chapter 10 is proof that God was at work and there was real revival in the land. Mm -hmm. You think it can happen here? I think it absolutely can happen here uh, because we have what they have and we have even more. We have God's word. We now have his son, Jesus Christ. We've received the Holy Spirit. And there's no reason why, why we can't have revival. Now, it doesn't have to look like what revival used to look like. It's not about this, um, you know, this, this huge, um, big number of people coming to, to salvation. Revival can be something that is slow, um, that is a slow burn, uh, but it comes when, uh, when people who know the truth share that truth. And when people who come to know the truth study the word, uh, to, to know who God is um, and allow that knowledge to change your life. Uh, and so our, uh, our desire is that uh, those of you who are listening, uh, that you are studying the word, that if you are gifted in such a way that you will lead and you will teach others in how to study the word, all of that so that lives can be changed and that more and more people uh, can, can have a, a biblical uh, worldview, especially in uh, the country that, that we are living in. Um, let me leave you in the Build podcast with three practical items. The first is that God sends revival it comes as his Holy Spirit brings us to the realization of where we are and where we need to be. Mm-hmm. You know that? That the Lord will do the work to show us where we are and where we need to be. The second is that as believers, we need to stay accountable to the word of God. It is our guideline for life. It teaches us how to live. It covers every topic. It covers marriage. It covers how to raise your children. It covers money. It covers how you need to live in order to present yourself before Jesus in that time when he returns or you go to him. The third thing, and what I think is the most important thing, is that not above the staying accountable to the word of God, but the reality is it's really hard to stay accountable to the word of God when you don't stay accountable to each other. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is that you need to find another believer that you can stay accountable to. And when you are struggling in sin, when you are not broken in certain sins and you need help with that, that you have somebody you can go and talk to about that. So stay accountable to each other. Accountability, 
uh, stops apathy from sinking in. Because mm. as you speak and you talk and you build relationships with people, there's no opportunity for apathy. So let me give those to you again. God sends revival. It comes when his Holy Spirit brings us to the realization of where we are and where we should be. Stay accountable to the word of God. Study it. Understand it. Call us up if you need to find a Bible study to help you get on the right track. Stay accountable to another believer. Let's pray. God, we do thank you again for this time that we've had in the book of Nehemiah. I pray that these um, podcasts on how to uh, build your kingdom will be of great encouragement for those listening. But Father, we saw a great revival in the book of Nehemiah. 50,000 people coming to the point of committing to live a life after you. Oh, the desire we have to see that happen with hundreds, thousands, and millions in this country. Father, we pray that uh, you would open opportunities for us to share the gospel with others, that we would be people who are seeing great fruit from our labor for the kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.